In a world where the people have no voice. Fake news runs wild. And social, social, social media dictates our lives. And we're here to keep it real at Media Lab. Just a group of students looking for the truth. Hashtag what story are you telling? Hashtag go tell it. NPR Media Lab. Hi, my name is Daniel Smith, and I'm 18 years old. Media Lab is cool. It's like, it's a learning experience. It allowed me to express myself through writing, recording, and stuff like that. English class in high school is really different. Like in class, like they give us a prompt to write, but in NEPR, like we just do, we write about what is important to us. My favorite part of Media Lab is getting to know people and writing and like how it's allowing like our generation to like voice our opinion instead of people thinking of us as the, uh, the generation that's like devoid of all feeling that finds any way to like get rid of emotion. Check, 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 one, 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 two, two, two. Welcome to New England Public Media Lab Pod- Podcast. All of our stories are abstract in content and vary in length. Features are probably our most complicated stories to create, technical wise. Unlike commentaries, which require you to dig deep inside yourself to write creatively, Features require a lot of research and interviewing. It's a long process of scripting, recording, and editing. There are many layers of sound that can be used to get your point across. I personally enjoy using different sound effects and snippets of audio from different media. It keeps people interested, and it gets them excited for your story. Like, hey, I know where this clip is from. Or even if they don't, it still sounds cool. Features are a lot of work, but they're definitely the most fun to create. Elder Martinez, from NEPR's Media Lab, grew up in a poor family that moved between Latin America, Florida, and Springfield. Elder never knew about the internet, phones, computers, or any type of technology until he entered middle school. When I started using the internet, I saw the amazing things you could do with it. Search answers, watch videos, buy items, and much more. I have noticed that people are overusing the internet. Seeing the world obsessively attached to their phones is a real concern for me. Dr. David Greenfield is a clinical psychologist and founder of the Center for Internet Behavior in West Hartford. He calls the phone world's largest slot machine. That's because according to Dr. Greenfield, the internet and the slot machine both have the ability to bring us pleasure. Computers have the capacity to release chemicals in our brains that increase a sense of well-being. Smartphones do too. Dr. Greenfield. We now take the smartphone, we portableize it, we untether it, we put it in your pocket, it's in your pocket, it's everywhere you go, and now it's telling you through notifications that there's some drug waiting for you to open up to make you feel good and elevate your level of dopamine. Dopamine. That's the chemical that mediates pleasure in the brain. Trudy Joseph is a UMass student who readily admits she's a smartphone addict. She uses it to access her email, the app Snapchat, and to recall information for class. She asked me if I had ever heard the saying, if you don't have to check your email, your life's not moving. I really believe it. There is so much stuff going on. There's so many people trying to get in contact with me. There's so many people that I have to contact that I feel like I have to constantly be on my phone and constantly be almost accessible to people. And time is gold now. Judy says kids her age don't have the time to do what Generation X was able to do. Go to the library, ask people questions. Like, the world isn't, doesn't work that way. It's not about, it's not so much about knowing what's in the book. It's knowing how to access that information. Technology just changed the way we think. 
The way Trudy sees it, technology enables her generation not only to be better informed about the world, but to be better people too. She believes that this generation is more tolerant than probably any other generation, and not because they just woke up and were like that. Like, no, technology made the world a really, really small place. So we're able to go online or see what the human condition is like in, like, India or, like, Africa or even somewhere, even in another town, we're able to do those things. And it's not because we all have cars and we all have money and we can get up and go and, like, drive somewhere or get on a plane. Beneficial as the Internet may be, it's still the case that being too attached to your phone can be a problem. Dr. Greenfield says that 20% of smartphone users take selfies while driving, for instance, and 78% sleep with their phones. That's a problem, Greenfield says, but we can readjust our behavior. You have to consciously control your use. It's not going to happen automatically. There's no pill I can give you that's going to change it. So when I was in a waiting room earlier today, I didn't reach into my pocket to pull my phone out because I didn't want to rely on that when I was in that situation, even though everybody else was. Greenfield suggests that people who feel they're addicted to their phones should start limiting when they use it. They can turn it off during times when they shouldn't be using it, such as work or during dinner. They can disable the notifications. The internet is changing the way we live. The question is, are we going to let the internet control us, or are we going to control the internet? Can you hear us? You can hear us? Can everybody else hear us? All right, so listen, this is what we're going to do. What's a Vox Pop, you ask? Well, a Vox Pop is a quick story expressed, but it isn't just of one voice. Instead, it's made of many different voices as well, from recorded interviews. These interviews are acquired by bringing along a voice recording device and politely asking other individuals to answer or comment on a certain topic. The process is a quite nervous one, but all the worthwhile at the end. Mr. Pop, we interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Citizens of Springfield have a lot they like about their city's history and culture. You're right between New York and Boston. You're an hour from the beach, an hour from mountains for hiking. It's called the City of First. I love Springfield. I've lived here my whole life. All the different people, all the different cultures, history, the, the hopes, things happening here. Do you have a moment to talk about the election? When you voted, what was the top issue on your mind? The top issue was that both of them are bad presidents. I feel like Trump's an idiot. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not a citizen, so I wasn't able to vote. We need someone who's going to represent us in a proper manner, who's going to take initiative the way in the areas that it should. He's sexist, he's homophobic. He's just not fit to be a leader of a, a powerful nation like the United States. For NEPR's Media Lab. I'm Devin Fredo Monero. I'm Aslan Perez. I'm Diamond Jimenez. You're tuned in to Media Lab. Woo! On our way out of the grocery store, a tall, burly man stepped before us, blocking our access to the parking lot. With arms tightly wound in a deep, stern voice, he bellowed, you can't leave without paying. In response to a seemingly unfounded accusation, my mother, an honest blue-collar worker, reached for her receipt. She wanted to vindicate us of any wrongdoing. Suddenly, the guard shifted his stony gaze to our right, where my younger sister sat, tearing open a bag of M&M's she snatched during checkout. Completely oblivious to the stressing situation, she continued to gobble down the primary-colored treat. She'd been caught red-handed. I then went on autopilot to deliver my standard speech on her behalf. 
It's a significant part of my life, this daily recital where I have to explain to prying strangers, inquisitive friends, and even to some ill-informed family members that my sister has autism. For Michelle, autism means she can't communicate using words. She also can't decipher right from wrong. She's bound to the confines of her unique mental world, a world the rest of us can't understand, except me. But even if I understand her a little bit, she's still an enigma. Because of that, and because I'm her older sister who isn't tied down by any occupation, it became my role to be her caretaker. I try to protect her from any harm the world throws her way. Like when she gets distracted or something and wanders off, then it's my responsibility to find her and bring her back. It's not an easy job, and sometimes I really resent it. Truth be told, when I can't get through to her, it can be really frustrating. I rarely had time to spend with my friends, just being a normal teenager. There's all those parties I've missed, all those sleepovers and birthday celebrations I've skipped out on in order to stay with her at home. But then I remember how lucky I am to have Michelle in my life. She's my other half. She accepts me more than anyone. She's a wonderful companion. Her sweet innocence and optimism rubs off on me. She has a special knack for finding the good in a bad situation, a profound aspect of her character that I carry into every part of my life. Whenever I feel trapped in a cage of doubt of my own making, I look to her. That smile always breaks my manacles and sets me free. She teaches me through her own unwritten, unspoken philosophy that clouds pass, even storms pass, and that my troubles will also pass. The only thing that won't pass is Michelle's autism. She will remain shackled by it forever, and she won't realize it. I don't ever want my sister to be alone in this world. She shouldn't have to struggle by herself with the obstacles that will surely come her way. She is my sister, my flesh and blood. I want to take care of her, always. Michelle is the biggest driving force propelling my dreams to go to college, an opportunity that she, sadly, will never have. That way, I can make enough money for both of us to live better lives. I don't take that privilege lightly. I owe it to her, my sister, who's never asked to live this way. Media Lab means a lot to me. I did two projects. The third one I'm working on right now is a foundation right now. Like, if you come here, we're just paving our way through. So if you want to come down here, man, it's fun. It's all love. We're going to do this. Listen, it's going to impact you. We're on our way up. This is Gary Campbell from Media Lab. What's going on, George? How you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm well, thank you. I'm well. Give us a little bit of backdrop on this project and why you decided to do a feature piece on the Springfield Sting. I actually met the owner the day before I started recording. He actually caught my attention by being one from Springfield and two for being a school teacher that also was going to have the privilege of having a basketball team. As you're putting this piece together, did it become something else from your original idea? Tell me about the process. Well, the process of putting it together was, I don't know, it was full of surprises, actually. Every time I wanted to do something, like it was like, okay. And I'm not usually used to hearing, okay, yeah, sure, let's do it. Um, everything kind of flowed together once like I was like, hmm, let me just get a group of questions together. But then all those questions like just went away. It just came off the top of the dome after that. Like when I was talking to the mayor and um, Daryl Moss, we actually um, got a lot of information out of them, too. And how did you connect with them? How did, how did they become a part of this piece? I just walked into the city hall. And just went and said, I need to do an interview with y'all? Mm-hmm. Nice. Media, media, media Lab. 
Springfield, Massachusetts is the birthplace of basketball, but the city has been without a professional basketball team since 2014, a situation that is about to change. George Anderson has this story. Zach Brew, a 29-year-old Springfield native, is about to change that. Starting this fall, the Springfield Sting will tip off. Working for a local women's basketball team as a teenager is where Baru first dreamt of owning a team. It really inspired me to do what I'm doing today, and that's bringing basketball back here to Springfield, just trying to uh, provide our area fans with quality entertainment at affordable prices in a friendly and safe environment. Baru, a business teacher at Holyoke High School, launched this thing on July 22nd. It's one of 100 teams in the ABA, the new American Basketball Association. ABA co-founder Joe Newman says this league is unique. It's a league that is inclusive and one that pays great attention to its communities to help improve the quality of life within the city of the team that where it's located. It's also the most diversified professional sports league in the United States with 75% of its owners being African-American, Hispanic, Asian, women, Native American, and disabled. One of the community members who's excited to have the Sting join Springfield is Mayor Dominic Sarno. It is the opportunity to see some top-notch ball players that really give their heart and soul into the game. Very affordable family fun. A fan of community engagement is Daryl Moss, Deputy Director of Communications for Springfield. Moss is pleased that Baru's team will be deeply involved in the community. He's vested which is what we expect from all of our 154,000 residents. We expect them to take some ownership in terms of the cultural and athletic development of our community. This idea of giving back to Springfield is key to Brew. So we are going to be having the Springfield Sting Charitable Foundation, and this provides us a way to give back to the community each and every home game. We will be donating money to a different local charity throughout the season, and we do have 10 home games. Brew has a specific plan to support the city of Springfield. For us to be part of the community, we need to first give back. We can't expect people to support us unless we are supporting them as well. And we want to be part of this area as much as possible. For me, it's a little bit personal because I've lived here my whole life, so I'm, I'm not an outsider coming in uh, trying to uh, find out what Springfield's all about. I know how wonderful Springfield is because I've lived here my entire life. So this is very special for me, and I'm really excited to be able to have basketball back in its birthplace. On November 5th, The Sting will be running the floor. For NEPR's Media Lab, this is George Anderson. New England Public Radio's Media Lab is made possible through the generous contributions from the Berkshire Bank Foundation, Incorporated, the Community Foundation of Western Massachusetts, the Irene E. and George A. Davis Foundation, Tom and Kit Dennis, Thomas and Marilyn Ewig, the Kitteridge Foundation, Mass Humanities, TD Bank and TD Charitable Foundation, the United Bank Foundation, the Rotary Club, and two anonymous donors. To find more of our work, please visit us at NEPR.net. Check us out on NEPR.net, or you can hit us up on Facebook at NEPR underscore Media Lab. And don't forget to hashtag what story are you telling as you tell your own. Peace.